Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everybody, welcome to Health Theory. My name is Tom Bilyeu. I'm the co-founder of Quest Nutrition and the co-founder of Impact Theory. And I believe that to live a truly optimal life, there are three things you need to focus on. Diet, exercise, and mindset. Today, we're gonna be diving into the health side of the equation and we have an amazing guest with us. She is an author and social influencer who lost over 120 pounds after switching to the ketogenic lifestyle. And she documented her entire weight loss journey on her YouTube channel, which by the way is awesome. She's super vulnerable, super inspiring, and full of useful information. She's the author of Simply Keto and the face behind at Keto Karma. Please help me in welcoming Suzanne Ryan. Suzanne, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. And you won the Quest Superfan Award, which is how we initially met. Yes. Yeah. Very cool to have you here now on this set, talking about your new book, which is very impressive. And what I love about the book is the way that it starts, which is how I want to start here. So you've obviously had this massive transformation, which is absolutely incredible. But to really understand that and to know how powerful it is, we have to start back really when you were a kid. Walk us through as your parents go through the divorce, like what's happening, what your relationship with food was like. Yeah, so basically um, our family was like pretty close in it. And then once we moved to Florida, I was probably in like the second or third grade and my parents got divorced and it was a really messy divorce. There was just a lot of conflict. The two didn't talk to each other. We were kind of torn in the middle. Um, Then we ended up moving in with my dad and we actually lived in some places that didn't even have kitchens, like just kind of like really living in garages. I mean, we were just kind of barely getting by. So my dad didn't really know a whole lot about nutrition or cooking, and we grew up on fast food. So we would drive through McDonald's and all these different things, and um, we lived on processed food, pizza, anything that was quick and cheap and easy. Uh, so that kind of ended up being the thing that I grew up with. That, that was the food that I loved because that's what I was used to. I know that feeling well. So growing up in a morbidly obese family, for me, it was, that that's just how you ate. Like, I didn't even really think about it. And I remember in your book, you were saying, oh, we live for discount pizza night. Yeah. And, you know, we had the same kind of rhythm. And honestly, like, I didn't even think, like, did you think a lot about it in terms of what was happening with your weight at that time? Or was it only when you started to get reflections back at school? Yeah, I would say not until I was more into middle school did I actually start to see like, there was like an emotional component tied into like why I like to eat on top of just the taste of the food. So mm-hmm. it, it really didn't seem to affect my weight a lot at first. But then when I started getting into middle school, it was really set me apart from everyone else. And you talk in the book pretty eloquently about it, but what was that time like in terms of being picked on and stuff like that? 
Um, it was hard because I think during that time, you're really trying to figure out who you are and what's important to you and what life is all about. And there's just so many different things that you're going through. And I think having so much negativity it really made me second guess who I was and my self-esteem really took a hit. Um, I just kind of felt like I didn't have that sense of belonging and I was trying so hard to get that and it just never really was there. And it was just a really lonely time. And I ended up kind of just turning to food even more because no matter what I was going through, food was always a constant. Even my parents would say like, oh, I know that you've had a bad day. Like, let's go get some ice cream. You know, it's they were trying to t do whatever they could to help, mm. you know, make things better for me as, as well. And food was kind of one of their tools as well. And what do you teach your kids about it now? Like, how do you not let them get into that same kind of whether you're high or you're low, turn to food, either celebrate or soothe yourself. Yeah. So I feel like this is the trickiest part because I don't want my daughter to have issues with food. I don't want her to be fearing food. Um, but I want her to also be able to be a kid and go to birthday parties and have like a cupcake if she wants. Um, but what I try to do is just kind of give her some guidance and let her know what some healthy options are and kind of let her make some choices and, you know, give her like two options that are good choices and let her kind of figure it out herself. Um, but I'm not overly hard on her about it because I don't want her to have like a negative relationship with food and be fearful and constantly worried about it. Um, but I definitely think that there needs to be a foundation of what nutrition is, which I didn't have at all. Yeah, it's interesting. Did you know that the food was tied to your weight gain or was that somewhat like it? Like for me as a kid, I literally didn't equate, oh, my mom and my sister and my dad are all heavy because of what they eat. So th this was the trickiest part for me because everyone in my family was thin except for me. And Whoa. we all, everyone ate the same thing. So um, there would be months or times where we wouldn't drink water. So it was like the main thing that we drank. And I was the only one in my family that had a weight issue. So I was like, what is wrong with me? You know, mm. and, and it was kind of interesting because it tied into I'm like not feeling good enough, not feeling deserving. And I'm like, and I can't, you know, I can't even eat the same things that they're eating without having it affect me differently. So I just felt completely out of the loop in every way. It's really interesting. You talked about that. I can't remember if it was in your book or your blog, but you talked about like, I really thought I'm going to lose this weight. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to feel so good about myself. Yeah. And then it didn't quite pan out that way. Right. So what, what's your, and I don't know that you would call it a movement, but one thing that I find interesting about where you're starting to go as an influencer is talking about not just a ketogenic diet, but self-love and how you get yourself in the right headspace. Right. What's that process been like? Um, yeah, I think initially my focus was so much on keto because it changed my life so much. But then I started really breaking down to the fact that I'm the one that changed my life. The diet was a tool, but ultimately I was really making myself a priority and putting myself first and investing in myself and seeing my own value. And I think when I realized what a huge role that that actually played on my ability to stick to something and to invest in myself, then I was like, wait, this is the thing that we're not talking about because a lot of people are struggling with their weight and they don't want to talk about it because you feel shame, uh, you're embarrassed. It's just a lot of things. It's, it's hard to talk about. You know, if people would ask me about my weight before, I would not even tell people the size of my clothing, let alone tell people the, you know, how awful I was feeling or how sad I was feeling. Um, so to be able to now just come out and be like, hey, I know how that feels and I can promise you that you can actually break through to it is the really main message because I think there's going to be so many different ways that people can eat that works for them. Like maybe keto will work for me, but not for somebody else. 
But the common theme is believing in yourself and really having that transformation take place because you're investing in yourself. So walk me through. So it's interesting that you, because a lot of people get so religious about their way of eating and it's no longer about, hey, let's find something that works for you. It's all about this work for me and I'm going to make sure everybody knows about it. (laughs) So how do you like navigate those waters that work so well for you? Um, how do you, knowing that you had tried so many other things that failed, one, what was that like going through those failures and internalizing that? And then two, how do you help people get on the other side of that, especially if keto doesn't work for them? Um, I think the failure thing, having that shift of, instead of looking at failure as a bad thing, looking at failure as a good thing is really what pushed me through because I started looking at it as instead of I failed, I'm no good. I'm like, hey, I failed and I know what doesn't work now. So it's time to move on to the next thing. So instead of letting it wipe me out, I'm like, awesome, this didn't work and it's time to try something else. So I totally redefined what failure looked like. And I was actually kind of excited because I'm like, all right, it's time to move on to the next thing. Like it's time to pick up and move on because for far too long, I just let it wipe me out and, and I just was so defeated. Um, and ultimately I was learning what things I could do to get to where I wanted to go. And I think the common theme is just never giving up. You have to keep pushing forward. And that's what I try to tell people is like, no matter how down and out you feel, you have to get back up and you have to keep going because something will click. But if you stop, then it won't. I was waiting for someone to come save me. Um, and I remember saying, gosh, I can't wait until somebody makes a pill where I'll be able to lose weight. And I was always putting it off on somebody else. And then finally I was like, oh my gosh, it's like within me to change my life. And, and that's really when things changed. I want to talk about that moment. So I know that there was one thing going on in there, which was your friend's son was diagnosed with a terminal disease. What happened? Why did that hit you so hard? What did that come to mean for you? Yeah, so um, my friend's son was diagnosed with Tay-Sachs disease, and he was about one years old at the time. And when that diagnosis hit, my daughter was around the same age as her son. And uh, immediately, I just felt like a jerk because I was like, gosh, I was given this healthy body. I don't have any terminal diseases, and I'm totally taking my life for granted. And I really wished at that moment that I could switch places with him because I felt like I I wasn't doing anything with my life. I wasn't showing up for myself. And I just felt so bad knowing that there was this little boy who was never going to have a chance to have a normal life. And yet I was given the ability to do so and I was sitting on the sidelines. So in that moment, I decided to start living for him, you know, and, and sometimes I feel like it takes living or being inspired by somebody else to give you enough strength to really get there yourself. But I, I just remember um, actually when he passed away and I was like, I, I will not live my life the same way anymore. It's really incredible because here is sort of hearing these things a little bit out of order when you're talking about you know, you, you got to keep going and yeah. it, there is a click moment. There will be something that will ultimately work for you. But if you stop, then it's, you're never going to get to that moment, yeah. but you're so like the anti polished Instagram feed where you're super real and you're super honest. Yeah. The book is no exception. And so you really have laid out like how much you struggled and how many times you thought this is the one this I got it. it. And then, you know, something would happen. You'd fall off your diet and, and you would back out again. What was that doing to your sense of self? And then how did you get out of that? Like what, what was it about 
seeing somebody else who didn't have what you had that really flipped that switch for you? Well, I think ultimately, like having all those failures did lead me to give up on myself and and really just, I kind of almost expected, like even when I started keto, it was my January 1st plan and I failed the same day. Like I actually had to restart keto. So that's when I really started to see that even though keto was a great tool, that there was a lot more to it. And I feel like the mindset is so huge in anything that, any changes that we're making in life, if we're really gonna stick to them, if we're really gonna chase our dreams, if we're really gonna be passionate about life, you really have to kind of wake up in the morning and like wanna go for it every single day. And it's not something that just comes naturally. I, I feel like I had to, you know, it's kind of like something I had to keep working on. It's not like, oh, I get it one day. It's like every day I wake up and sometimes I'm feeling it, sometimes I'm not. And when I'm not, I have to get myself there again. So it's not something that I think you just learn for me. It was just something that I have to keep working at. And so what do you say? I've got to imagine you get asked all the time, like, hey, I start these diets, I really want it, but then I run out of energy and I just don't stick yeah. with it. Yeah. And they're looking at you with that hopeful expectation of how, like, if I'm always stopping on day two or three, how do I make it today four and five? Well, I think, and this is where I think keto really helped me because I definitely had a food addiction. So eating foods that are higher in sugar definitely caused that cycle of cravings. And um, for me, when I switched to keto, my appetite went down. I felt so much better. And it, it kind of was able to help me put food in its proper place. And I had a healthier relationship with food at that point because I wasn't constantly like a drug addict to food. You know, I was just able to eat and then be full and go about my day and think about other things where before food was all of my thoughts like I would be thinking about you know breakfast and and lunch and dinner all you know all day long and my whole even vacations were planned around what food places I would go so it ruled my life and when I switched to being keto and I didn't have that feeling anymore then it really kind of freed me up to think about other things yeah that's really interesting how much of this do you think is like keto worked for me or was it that what was going on in your life with your friend's son and just how many times you failed and how frustrated you were? Like how much of it is the mindset and how much of it was, oh, keto actually broke an addiction and allowed me to neurochemically get out of this? Yeah, so I think in the beginning, I thought that it was a lot higher. Like I would probably say like 70% keto when I first started, but now I kind of look at it that it was like 70% mindset. I think right. keto definitely is a great tool, but ultimately, if you aren't getting up every day and knowing that that is an investment in yourself, I think it, people can look at it as, oh, well, this is like a hard thing to stick to. Um, but the thing that I often talk about and say is when people are like, gosh, isn't this a sacrifice to give up bread and cookies and candy and things like that? I really focus on the fact that my biggest sacrifice was when I wasn't able to live my life. And now not having those foods is not the sacrifice. The sacrifice was my life before and not taking an active role and not, you know, just being in a really dark place. I definitely think that it's more mindset now than I realized when I started. Mm. I'm going to guess that you're, for your community, very much a, a poster child for the person who did it. They made it. Yeah. Um, and thusly become a beacon of hope for them. What do you say to people who reach out and they, they want it in that like vague way of somebody wants it, but they're not really prepared to take action. Like how do you approach that when they're like, I, I want it, but I don't have the motivation. 
Um, so the thing that I always tell people is just to do baby steps. So even for me, the very first thing that I started doing before I even knew what keto was, was I stopped drinking soda. So I kind of think that sometimes people bite off a little bit too much at once. So if you just start with one thing and then you're successful with sticking to that and then you can add on and then add on to that and add on to that. And then eventually you've made a whole lot of changes little by little. So it doesn't feel so overwhelming. So why keto? Why tell us a little bit about the diet? Why did it work? Um, is it something that you recommend to other people? Yeah, so keto is a, a low-carb, high-fat, moderate-protein lifestyle. I kind of feel like there is not a one-size-fits-all with diets, but for me, the thing that I hear over and over is it's like the thing that really helps people who feel like they have tried everything else and nothing else has worked. Um, but ultimately, I feel like that's the way that we were really meant to be eating to begin with. I don't think that all of these processed foods and all the things that are so high in sugar was what we were supposed to be eating. So now switching to this way of eating, I feel so much better. Um, I actually grew up thinking that I had really bad stomach issues and had to get all kinds of testing because I was always feeling sick all the time. And then when I switched to keto, I was like, it was totally gone. Um, so, and then on top of that, in just one year, I had lost a hundred pounds. So it's like, obviously the only thing that I changed with what I was, what I was eating. So to me, that was kind of like, all right, like this, we're going in the right direction. Where are you going with it now? Is it focusing on the cookbook angle? Um, what from a keto lifestyle perspective has got you excited these days? Well, um, I, I like the, having the recipes in there to give people an idea of what kinds of things that they want to be cooking. And uh, I don't know, I just think it's great to give people a start of different ideas. Um, but definitely for me, uh, the next thing that I really want to focus on is like the vulnerability aspect and just, you know, talking to people about the struggles and to have that be kind of more center stage because I think a lot of times we don't talk about that. And even as I started getting more public about it, a lot of my closest friends were like, I gosh, like we had no idea that you were struggling so bad. Like, why didn't you ever say anything? Um, but for me, it was always super hard because none of my friends had really a weight issue. So my friends would be talking to me about how they needed to lose 10 pounds. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I, like I don't even want to hear about that. You know, like it was just really difficult. So I, I didn't really feel like I had a place where I could say like, hey, like I'm feeling really trapped in my body. I'm feeling like completely hopeless. Like I, I'm uncomfortable. Like I'm in my 20s and I'm getting out of bed and my knees are popping. Like I'm scared. You know, so to be able to actually say that to the people in my life was was challenging. Like I just wasn't really at a place where I felt like I could talk about it. And now it's like I want to talk about it because I know other people are going through it and I don't want them to be quiet anymore. So if you could travel back in time and speak to yourself then, but as an unrecognizable version of yourself, because I just want to know, like, how would you and if you would, how would you approach somebody who's at that phase where they're they are shutting down inside. It is not that they're, they've just come to peace with their body. Like they're inside, they've got a real problem and they are yeah. not in a good place. How and would you approach somebody? I think the best thing you can do for people in that place is to listen. Um, because I think a lot of times we don't understand what different people are going through. There were so many people in my family who tried to have these like little powwows with me uh, when I was trying to lose weight and I wasn't ready. So I wasn't really that open to it. And it kind of just made me feel even more to myself because I was like, they don't understand what it's like. They think it's so easy. Um, so I didn't really like that angle. Like when I was ready, I, you know, I was kind of just 
at a certain place in my life where I knew I really wanted to change. So I kind of feel like people do need to get to that point in their own time. And I think listening is just the better thing to do. I'm going to ask you a really hard question. What would you do if your daughter, she's 13, um, school starts being really hard on her and she starts putting on weight? And when you ask, she says, no, I'm, I'm not eating anything that you don't prepare for me. But she is starting to get heavy. 10 yeah. pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. What would you do? Well, at that point, I think, um, you know, it's just so hard because it's like you don't want to make weight the focus of what people identify as like their self-worth. So I would really try to make sure that I knew, like she knew how much I loved her and that she could tell me anything. And I would try to just be like very supportive. Um, but I think what I would probably do is have more of like a family style discussion. So it was less about like focused on her and more about like, you know, talk of how we were doing things in the family. Um, but it's just so tough because it's like f with food issues and kids, it's like we do know that sometimes when parents are a little bit too crazy about the guidelines, the kids end up sneaking food and things like that happen. So I think I would probably just try to have it be more of like a family discussion. I ask because I had um, a fan of my other show, Impact Theory, had a little brother and his little brother was being bullied because of his weight. And they um, brought it up to me and asked for my advice. And I'm like, look, I'm not the right person to give advice to this. I I've never had to yeah. talk to somebody about that. I don't have kids. Um, but I said, I'll get on the phone with him. So let's do like a Skype call. So we did a Skype call. and. In, like, in an instant, I realized every strategy I have works with adults and not at all with kids. And it was like, whoa, what do I do? Because So my first question was just like, hey, look, first of all, live whatever life you want. So if you internally, like in your mind, you are totally at peace with being heavy, yeah, rad, like no worries whatsoever. But if inside you're actually unhappy and you want the, the bullying to stop, you want to get in shape, then uh, one, is that true? And he just shrugged his shoulders. And so it's like, to me, that's a yes. Yeah. That's like a huge yes, right? It's yeah. like, a, it's here, but I don't want to talk about it. Right. And so I was like, wow, I'm going to get off this call having been of absolutely no use. And it's literally reason 462 why I don't have children. Yeah. Be because I think I'm incapable of helping. But looking at what you're doing, like so much of it is aimed at, at really helping people. And I can feel as your rhetoric shifts away from just the diet yeah. into the emotional side, um, that these are the waters that you're going to be navigating. What advice do you have for our friend? I think ultimately, I think the best thing to do is just be true to yourself and, and know that ultimately I had to get to a place where I stopped letting my value be defined by what everybody else was thinking of me. And how did you do that work? Because I heard you when you posted that video, I was like, that's really impressive. So let me, what I actually heard was you stopped doing YouTube for like a I did. year. I did. And why did you stop? So I stopped because basically like I was just getting all kinds of feedback that was a lot of really negative feedback and a lot of stuff that was really hurtful. And I had spent so much of my life hearing things like that where people, people were just saying awful things. And there was a lot of good too, 
But what I had realized in the process is that I was letting both the good and the bad be kind of like the judge of like, oh, am I all right today? Mm-hmm. Like, am I helpful today? Or am I no good? Or am I, you know, not putting out anything valuable? And I had to kind of get to that place where I was like, wait a minute, like all this noise that's happening, it can't it can't be the thing that just defines how I am feeling about myself because then it's kind of back to like the ups and downs. And I, and I really needed to be at a more stable place and find that value within myself. So I decided to take a break from YouTube and I just kind of worked on myself, worked on the book, thought about like what, what really my passions were and what I was bringing to the table. And finally I was really able to just get to a place where I was like, all right, like I'm ready now to put myself back out there. And part of my struggle is allowing myself to be seen because I spent a good amount of my life hiding. So now my new thing is, you know, don't say no to anything unless it's dangerous, you know? So everything out there that's scaring me, I'm doing it because I am so tired of counting myself out of things and not showing up for myself that I feel like I'm kind of making up for lost time. So I'm like, all right, say what you need to say. I'm going to delete you and block you and I'm not going to let it rain on my parade. So I've just kind of learned to have a little bit of a thicker skin and know that what I'm doing is important. I love that more than you can imagine. So the whole notion of showing up for yourself I love that. Yeah. What I want to know is there's a magic moment in there somewhere where something specific, you said you were thinking about it, but what conclusions did you come to that are handoffable that allowed you to develop that thicker skin? Well, honestly, I I feel like I found my strides through a lot of Brene Brown books. (laughs) Uh, You know, just listening to her talk about like the power of vulnerability and to really just kind of get to a place where I'm like, I am valuable and the things that I'm talking about are important and reaching out and connecting with people and the passions that I have for really breaking through to the people who are in a place where I was and just like how much I genuinely wake up and, you know, want to work on that every single day. I kind of thought my whole life that when I lost the weight, that was going to be the instant fix for me. Like that was the thing that was always out of reach. And once I lost weight, everything was going to be okay. And that was a big epic lie that I told myself for a really long time. Um, And then I had lost the weight and I'm like, well, great. I'm still battling with feeling not good enough. I'm still judging myself and picking myself apart and I'm still letting other people rein in on that as well. Um, so I think just kind of getting to a place where you're like, I've had enough, like I'm not going to let this cycle continue and knowing how detrimental that can be to your mental health. Um, so yeah, I just kind of was reading a lot of different books. I was actually reading a lot of books that you had recommended about mindset and I just kind of was like, I'm not doing it anymore. And little by little, I just kind of was building up a new way of thinking. That's amazing. Talk to me about Mick. Yeah. Seems like I love that you smile when I say that. Yeah. Um, it, you guys just seem like teammates, like through and through. Yeah. So, but you guys got together when you were near your heaviest. Yeah. So walk me through how were you able to open yourself up to being in a relationship when you were unhappy with yourself? Were there things that he did that sort of made you more open to that? Yeah, honestly, I think I actually remember even like when we started dating, I, I actually specifically remember thinking like, what does like, why does he want to date me? You know, and I'm like, God, like I look back and I'm like, that's so sad that I was feeling that way. But there was really times where I was like, what? Like, is this a trick? Like, what? You know, he was really the first person that I had ever really dated. Um But it's so cool because he had gone through similar struggles. And actually, before we met, he had lost like almost 200 pounds. Yeah. 
So like he had, like we had a lot of very similar pain that we had been through and we could really relate on so many different levels. Um, but then when we started dating, it's like two food addicts were in the room and like <laughs> all the dating in restaurants. And then we both ballooned up even more. So mm. when we got married, we were both morbidly obese. Um, I had a heck of a time finding a wedding dress. Like it was just, it kind of put a damper on the whole thing. Um, and a lot of times people will say like, well, why do you let your weight, you know, be something that really like could ruin a, in a day like that? But um, there's so many things that go on. I mean, even so, like a close family member of mine was questioning why I would pay to have a photographer at my wedding. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, and not even like nonchalantly saying it, like straight up, like, why would you pay to have someone take your picture? And it's like, that kind of pain is heavy, Whoa. you know? And so like on my wedding day, like I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't, I wasn't enjoying the moment. I was in like a white strap of stress. And I was so self-conscious and, you know, I really wasn't able to really just be in the moment. Um, so on the list is definitely renewing our wedding vows <laughs> coming up. Uh, but, you know, I think the best thing about Mick is that no matter what size I've been, he has always pushed and, and really made me feel like I was important and that, you know, even when I didn't believe in myself, like he just, he loved me through every size and believed in me through every size. And he still to this day just looks at me exactly the same way. He's just been such a constant and such a great support system. And how did you guys navigate those waters of going through a process of trying to find yourself and become happy with yourself? And it's, it seems to me like it'd be pretty, t you guys have gone through such a transformation yeah. to have done it together somehow. How did you make sure you were growing together? Um, I think it was uh, just making sure that we really took the time to be invested and to like get into whatever the other person was doing. So um, when we lived in Florida, it was kind of like we were spinning our wheels a lot. We didn't really have a whole lot of opportunity. And Mick has kind of like a Cinderella story with his career because he barely graduated from high school. His family wasn't super involved in like his education. And he just worked and worked and worked. And now he's a senior software engineer in wow. Silicon Valley. So it's like he was able, like he's just a go-getter. And I think that mentality like really kind of rubbed off on me and it inspired me because I think a lot of times we think like, oh, well, you have to have these steps to do something where really you're like, no, I can just do it if I work hard enough. Mm -hmm. So having that mentality of just going for what we wanted, once we got to the point where we're like, hey, we can do whatever we really want to do. We're, we're just standing in our own way. Um, I think we both just grew so much and luckily it was together as well. So you just said something that I find really intriguing that we were getting in our own way. Yeah. How, how does one get out of their own way? I think it comes down to the mindset. It's, it's instead of saying, I can't do this, I can't do that, I failed at this, I'm incapable of this, I'm not good enough. It's, it's literally changing the thoughts. Like I would literally say to myself, like, stop saying this. Like I was, must have looked like a crazy person. Like sometimes I'll go in the mirror and I would be like, you can do this. Like, it's going to be okay. It's don't let fear hold you back. Things can be scary and you can push through them. You know, I used to let fear just kind of be like the roadblock. And now I'm like, all right, like what's so scary? What's, what's going on? All right, we can move past this. All right, let's, let's do this. So it's, it's literally just retraining your thoughts to promote the ability to change.
That's really impressive. I remember the first time that I was on national television, I all but had a panic attack. Like, <laughs> I had not quite mastered uh, getting my anxiety into control at yeah. that point. So seeing you do these TV appearances recently, I was like, man, I am really impressed. Like, how did you learn to deal with that kind of stuff where, you know, here's somebody that had hidden for so many years because she felt like she wasn't good enough, wasn't worthy, was afraid she was going to say the wrong thing. And now all of a sudden, like three short years later, you're on national television in one of the biggest spotlights. You know, I can imagine you did it like a champ. I was terrified. (laughs) I was, I was, I I mean, I was absolutely, I mean, but see, that's a great thing is really being able to see that it's okay for things to be intimidating or to make you anxious, but to not let it stop you in your tracks. Like before, if someone was like, Hey, do you want to go and be on this show? I'd be like, absolutely not. Like there is no way. I mean, even if I was invited to a party, a small party, I would be in the corner of the room trying to blend in. Um, So ultimately it was, it's okay to still have things be scary and to be a new experience. But then as you go through them, you're like, that really wasn't so bad. And if I would have said no, I would have just held myself back from something, you know, something else. And so I think every time I stand up and I show up for myself and it really, it wasn't as bad as what I maybe thought that it was going to be, or I talked myself through it and got to the other side, then I'm like, all right, like this is all right. I can keep going forward to the next thing. And then each thing that comes up isn't as scary because then you know that you've gone through stuff that you were afraid of and you got out on the other side. Mm. All right, so going back to Mick for a second, what was his reaction when you guys went, or when you went keto? He thought I was insane, absolutely (laughs) insane. Like he, he, I think a lot of times people have a really hard time wrapping their head around like a high fat diet. Mm And in his defense, I had come home probably like every single year, like usually around New Year's resolution time with like, this is it, like this is gonna be the thing that we're gonna do and it's gonna change everything. And you know, we would stick to it for a couple of weeks and then you know, go right back to our old ways. So he was very much used to me coming home with the you know, diet of the week. Um, and actually when I started, he did not start with me. He was ordering pizzas while I was cooking keto in the kitchen. And I was like, I hate you. Uh, but eventually I think it was, you know, a couple weeks in, like I had lost like 21 pounds and he was like, all right, it's time for me to do keto too, because you're serious this time. Like, I know you, when you get your mindset on something and like, I see that this is really working. Like, I know that I need to hop on board because I want to do this with you. That's uh, really impressive. Yeah. So what was your favorite part about doing the book? I think I, I really like um, just being able to break things down in an approachable way for people. Um, so the beginning talks about my story so that people understand that I've been there. I think that it's really important to see that... Um, you know, when someone's like talking about changing your life, it's one thing if, uh, you know, they have all these great ideas, but if they haven't been through the struggle themselves, it's a little bit harder to get on the same page of like really understanding what it's like to be morbidly obese and how to overcome that and how difficult it really is. Um, so I just wanted to let people know that I had failed a hundred times too and, and get people on the same page with that. And then to break down the diet in a way that people could really understand it easily and have it not be intimidating was my main goal because I feel like a lot of times things can just 
get super overwhelming. And I feel like having just a clean foundation of very simple explanations. And then if people want to kind of take from there and learn and grow, they could do that. But I just wanted to give like a really positive and encouraging place for people to start. So other than that, it's a high fat, moderate protein, low to no carbohydrate diet. What are, what's some of that clean foundation that you try to make sure people get? Well, I mean, basically I just break down like what foods people are going to be eating, what foods you're going to be avoiding and why you're going to be avoiding the certain foods. Um, and then I talk about like testing if people do want to test their ketones um, and just kind of like breaking down. Um, I went through and kind of answered all the emails that I get asked most frequently in there. There's so many different ways that people do keto and there's so many different opinions. And I just kind of went through step by step of like, here's an approach and here's an approach. What are some of the most frequently asked questions that you get asked? Um, so I get a lot of questions about um, like, can you do this while you're traveling? Like, or like when you're eating out, like, is it hard to stick to, uh, you know, that's kind of like the things that I hear the most with people are trying to figure out like, is this realistic? Is this mm -hmm. long-term? And what's your advice to that? Um, so I, I personally think that keto is very realistic to do. And it's great for if you, even if you're traveling, even while I've been out on the book tour, it's just been very easy. It's so easy to modify things. Um, and I think in a restaurant, you're saying. yeah, like anytime when you're going out to eat, you can just do very simple modifications to make things keto friendly. Um, so what I really like about it is you're not trying to like put food in containers or you're trying to put it like a point system. Like you're learning about the actual food that you're eating and then you're learning what ratios to eat the food in to better fuel your body. And what are, so I'll give you a couple of mine. My sort of keto friendly travel tips are, I take a massive amount of macadamia nuts. <laughs> yeah. So those are like my go-to when I just need like a little snack or something. Yeah. Um, I get hamburgers at the restaurant, no bun, no sauce. Yeah. Um, and I can live between macadamia nuts and burgers. Like I could literally live forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I also will take things like there's a company called Keto Cookie. Um, when Quest was doing keto products, I literally stockpiled and froze them. Oh so my gosh. I travel with they those. They were so good. Um, yeah. So what are some uh, things that you do when you're traveling? You know, I don't really do a whole lot of like bringing stuff with me. I just pretty, pretty much like when I go out, I do exactly what you do, like the bunless burgers, like any sandwich you can imagine if you just get it without the bun. Um, I do bring like some like Quest stuff with me when I go out. Um, but I really, I feel like the best thing about keto is that you don't have to overthink it. You can just live your normal life how you would before. You don't have to be constantly thinking about your diet. And that's like, that's like the ultimate thing to me is to not have to be obsessing about it. It's just, it's my new normal. It's just my lifestyle and I don't really obsess over it. Do you still check your blood levels? Every once in a while, but not like on a daily basis. Mostly if I'm like testing out new foods or new mm. macros, um, I don't really track very closely anymore. I did the first year, um, but now it's pretty, like I can feel when I'm in ketosis, like mm. I just feel so much better. Um, but sometimes I do test just out of curiosity and I have the, the kid at home. So the blood work and stuff gets really interesting. Um, so we had Mark Sisson on the show okay. and he was going really hardcore on the science of like what's happening and talking about how depending on how you utilize the ketones will determine your blood reading. So mm -hmm. it's like you have to be a little bit careful and obviously the urine strips change because the, yeah. when you first kick off into ketosis, it appears in your urine, but then as your body gets more efficient at using it, it stops. And right. some people think, oh, am I not in ketosis anymore? Right. You're actually in a better place. So that, that stuff's pretty interesting. Um, 
What are some of the other questions that people ask you? Um, so a lot of times people ask about um, like having kids and, and being keto, like if, if that's an option, like how, how do I do this while having, you know, people at home who aren't supportive or who aren't on a diet? That's a great one. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of times too with that is like, what do I also do if my doctor is not supportive, which is exactly the same thing that I was in. So um I uh, definitely had like friends who didn't understand and my doctor was like, I don't really know how I feel about this. And I'm like, well, listen, like it's, I literally feel like I'm at the point now where I'm either gonna get weight loss surgery because I feel like I tried it all or I'm gonna do this. And I've done some research and I don't think that eating healthy fats is bad for us. So I'm like, give me a year, I'll come back. You can do my blood work. We can get into all of that. And when I came back like a hundred pounds later, she like didn't even recognize me. And uh, she did my blood work and she's like, holy moly, like this is like, everything is great. Like your Mm. levels are are perfectly healthy. And now every year I go back and I'm like, hey, you wanna do some blood work just for fun? (laughs) Like I don't even, you know? And uh, so now she actually recommends keto to her own patients, which has been really cool to like have a doctor who would even just be open-minded enough to say like, hey, this isn't what I was taught in school. but like I'm watching, I'm looking at your blood results and I'm being open-minded and to see that change in her was really cool. It gave me a lot of hope for the health community to wrap their head around things. Yeah, well, let's get a little hopeless for a second. So you were just on was it the Today Show, I yeah. can't remember, where they had their yes. resident um, nutritional expert basically heckle yeah. the ketogenic diet. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, what's your take on that with her whole sense of, well, there's no longitudinal studies on what the effects of this are going to be long term. My biggest approach with keto is like when people don't agree or don't understand, like I don't make it my job to prove them wrong. Like I'm, I don't feel like I'm here to argue it with anybody. I just like to lead by example. And if someone wants to have a thoughtful discussion of it or if they're like, Hey, can you send me your research or what, like, can, do you want to talk about it? Then I'm happy to talk about it. But I just kind of feel like she has her way of doing things. And I had tried that way of doing things and it wasn't working for me. So what I try to challenge people to do is, I'm not saying keto is for everyone, but I'm saying it needs to be an option. We need to have multiple options of different lifestyles that people can live because we don't all fit in one box. So that's what I really try to promote. Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Yeah. All right, well, what are you hoping comes out of all of this? I didn't um, start this really with a direct intention of doing anything. It, it all kind of like popped up and I was like, wow, there's, you know, what am I gonna do now that I have this passion? Cause this is really the last thing that I ever expected to A, be passionate about and B, to be doing in general. Um, so I think when I really think about what I'm the most passionate about is helping others and connecting with others and just getting everything out there that we need to be talking about because I feel like we have the highlight reels of like all these great things that people are doing and all these happy things and you know with social media it's like everything can look so curated and I want to bring to the table like real life like the struggles like the ups the downs everything in between and let people know that it's that's what real people are going through and to know that you should just never give up and you always have to keep going and I really just want to connect with those people who are at the place where I was. I love that. Yeah. All right. Before I ask my final question, where can these guys find you online? So on Instagram, it's Keto Karma. Pretty much on all social media, it's Keto Karma. Um, and then my blog is ketokarma.com. 
Um, and then uh, the book is Simply Keto, and that's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the main bookstores. Very cool. Yeah. All right, last thing. For anybody watching, what's the one thing that they could change or do to have the biggest impact on their health? I think the biggest change you can do is just really make yourself an investment. And you know, when you wake up in the morning, make sure that the things that you're doing are are supporting your goals and supporting things that you really want out of life and to really stop settling because if you really want to do something, you have the power to do so. You just have to get up and you have to work for it and you can't just expect and wait for someone to come save you. You have to get up and save yourself. That is amazing. Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on the show. Guys, legitimately, I'm not sure that I could have said it any better than that. No one is coming to save you. This is really on you. And what I love about Suzanne's method, what's in the book, on her blogs, in everything that she puts out there is this sense of you've got to put you first. You've got to find self-love. You've got to understand that losing all the weight is not going to solve the problems, that it really is something that you have to do from a mindset perspective to really understand your self-worth, to understand that you're worth all of this effort, but to understand that you have to put in all of that effort. But if you do that, and if you take the failures, as she said, as a learning experience rather than as some indictment into who you are, you learn from that, even if it's just what doesn't work for you, then you can try something new. And as she said, there will finally be this click moment. But if you stop, you're never going to find it. So boys and girls, keep going. Let her be an inspiration. Join her, follow her. I'm telling you, it will be one of the most encouraging, amazing things you will ever do. She is a bright light on the, on the internet doing amazing things. All right, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Suzanne, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.